Nicolas Cage is probably one of our generation's definitive actors. Hello and welcome to Cage Fighting. It's your main man Andy Gillard here. Hope everyone's doing well in the world right now. Hi everybody, Matt Guy here. Hope everybody is fan dozo. <laughs> what do you expect me to say after saying that? <laughs> fan dozo. I mean, it... there's always something a bit weird about them too. To be honest, there's that. Even as a kid watching the Crankies, it freaked me out, and I don't know why. Well, um, it's a grown man. And his wife pretending to be a small child. That is inherently a weird mm. thing. They are just, they're very, apparently there's a lot of stories about them on the circuit. Yeah, they're like, like swingers and stuff, are they? Yeah, I've heard comedians like intimate of horrendous shit that they've done, but never actually gone all the way and, and told the stories, unfortunately. Well, Andy, I understand that you've got previous, because we spoke only on Sunday night about you also hating ACDC for the fact that one of their members dresses like a child or a schoolboy. It's weird, isn't it? Because it's like, it's pedo bait, I think. <laughs> <laughs> the name of the next ACDC album. <laughs> pedo bait. It's just a very strange thing to do to try and pretend to be a small boy, especially when you're a grown woman. Very bizarre. Yeah, that, that's the crankies for uh, our American listeners. Look them up. Intriguing. And our eleven percent of uh, the in the great nation of India as well. Yes, I'm sure they won't have a clue who it is. <laughs> oh, so it's been a long time since we've recorded. I mean, it's. Obviously, there hasn't been a break in the recording schedule, but we haven't got together for a, a record for a, about a month at this point, is it? It feels like it's been forever and a day. Mm-hmm. How are we all keeping, gentlemen? Yeah, the, 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 we stocked on the back catalogue to have a little bit of a hiatus, but it's it's good to be back in the saddle. Um, but it's a lot colder recording now than it was about a month ago. So um, I am freezing my nicky-nacky news off this evening. It, it was interesting when I was listening to, I think it was Vengeance episode, and we all started off complaining about how hot it is, and because we'd, <laughs> we'd sort of recorded everything early doors, by the time it came out, it's fucking freezing. Stu, your voice is sounding raspier than ever, have we? <laughs> yeah, it's the um, the remnants of the, the super cold that got hold of people, and then a certain game down the road that kind of lost my voice at yet again, so... Other than that, it's toddling along, I suppose. Excellent. Glad to hear it. So we're here to discuss 2021's Pig. Obviously, it's a, it's a film we've discussed at uh, a much shorter amount of time previously, but it's one that we've all... like. I mean, it, I know we asked the question at the end about, do you like the film? But let's be honest, we've all said several times we, we've absolutely loved this film. But I want to take you back to before this film actually dropped. And what were you thinking? What were you expecting from this movie? Because what we got, I don't think, was what the trailer led us to believe it was going to be, personally. Mm. What, what did you pair think you were... What What was the pig going to be about, did you think? Well, I, I expected it to be the dirt worst. I literally <laughs> thought it'd be horrendous. I thought it would be a cheap John Wick imitation 
um, shoehorned in Nick Cage when it could have been absolutely anybody else. I, I, I thought it was going to be dreadful. I thought, because don't forget, you've got to remember, this is on the back of, of the greatest fraudulent action in, in the 21st century of jujitsu. <laughs> So yeah. you know that was on the back of that we'd we'd been we'd been burnt before. So I wasn't feeling I, I wasn't thinking much was coming from this. No, yeah. Stu, and because of that jujitsu trailer making it out to be good, um, I just didn't bother. I just didn't bother with it. I thought we had the synopsis. It's a truffle pig with Nicolas Cage. Sounds like Taken. It's going to be wank, and I think we more that we were more than justified for thinking that as well. When you look at the cast and there's no one in there at the time that we really knew. Um, obviously, Mr. Nell's been on taking the piss out of me in the uh, in the time since. But yeah, I had no hope whatsoever. And I, I was kind of waiting, waiting with bated breath, I suppose, just, just for it to come along so we could laugh at it and just to take the piss out of it because it was inevitably going to be shit. Mm-hmm. You are right. I mean, the trailer did have a man who lost his pig and then there was clips from a fight scene. So it was trying to get that John Wick audience. And like you say, because of jiu-jitsu, we know that fight films probably aren't Nick Cage's forte anymore. So, yeah, it, it was quite a lot of apprehension. And, of course, it was a first-time director, Michael Sarnowski. Like, we, we'd never heard of him, so... You couldn't even go into the film saying, well, we know what the director does. It was literally flying by the seat of our pants going into this one. But it ended up being something really quite special, I think. Mm. So IMDb describes this film as a truffle hunter who lives alone in the Oregon, Oregonian sorry, wilderness, must return to his past in Portland in search of his beloved foraging pig after she is kidnapped. I'm looking for a truffle pig. Someone stole her. I don't understand. Tell me you are. You made the right choice being out there in the woods. There's nothing here for you anymore. There's really nothing here for most of us. Buy yourself a new pig. begins with a starter part one rustic mushroom tart rob played by nicholas cage is hunting truffles with his trusty pig by his side alone in the woods rob makes the eponymous rustic mushroom tart from scratch scratch 
sat surveying his world, eating his food and happy that he has his work buddy with him. It's a simple life and he's seemingly satisfied. The silence of the woods is broken when some dipshit city kid rolls up in his sports car blasting out classical music. Amir is here to buy Rob's truffles. It also appears that Amir is his only lifeline. He talks to Rob about getting him a heated shower or a phone as he doesn't want to be the one to do this drive and find him dead one week. Rob puts a tape into his tape player. A soft woman's voice laughs and talks. Pained, Rob takes the tape out and sits in silence once again. Sensing his master's pain, the pig comes over to Rob, who merely says, I'm okay. That night while sleeping, coyotes are howling, a flash of light hits Rob's cabin, and the door is broken into. Rob's attacked, leaving him unconscious. I, I found that scene really harrowing. Um, like Everything leading up to this part has been really soft and serene, and then bam, like worst nightmare stuff of the home invasion but mm. even worse so because it's just a cabin in the woods like it was really uncomfortable to watch i thought yeah yeah it was like to to Stu's point on a lot of things um the trailer kind of gives this scene away so i'm pretty sure we see even if it's only like a 0.5 second snapshot of the home invasion i believe in the trailer so you know it's coming um but it was it was um it's very well done and I think the foreboding of knowing it was coming, though, just added to the impact of it, to be fair. Stu, what did you think? Um, even thinking about it, and we've, I've watched it three times now, lost for words because it was so unexpected. And I know we all know that he, his pig gets stolen. That's the whole point of the film, so we know this is going to happen to him. Um, but I think it hates how the camera movement as well. How he kind of that, that little flip mm-hmm. when he gets knocked mm. to the floor. And you think, well, this is a bloke who looks quite tramp like, who looks, who's obviously either completely down on his luck or he's just given, he just can't be arsed with life anymore. And he's pretty helpless and pathetic at this point. And to see someone like that be attacked and then what, what he's obviously his only friend taken from him, it's, Incredibly well done. Mm. Yeah. When Robber wakes, his pig has been taken. Beaten and bloodied, Rob makes his way to the nearest diner. He asks to speak to Marge. He's told that Marge died 10 years ago, indicating how long it's been since Rob has been living his hermit lifestyle. Rob went to this diner, said he could call Amir to help him. Amir turns up, tells Rob that this isn't really his problem, but Rob reminds him that if he wants troubles, truffles he will help rob get her back i'd love the scene in the car when amir decides that he's actually going to help him and amir's listening to that cd which keeps coming back at like a few times throughout and it seems to be someone who is teaching people how to understand classical music i think it really describes who amir is quite well he's a schmuck he, he doesn't know what he's doing and everything is sort of for show so you can hear that he's listening to classical music, but you don't necessarily know that he knows fuck all about classical music. Mm. It's just that he wants people to think that he's something that he's not, presenting himself in a certain way. I thought it was a really clever way of showing that without just outright telling us that he's a dickhead. Yeah. Go on, um, I'll say, and I mean, they've already shared it with the car that he's driving. 
I mean, who, who drives a car like that into the middle of the woods? Unless you're a total <laughs> yeah. bellend. That is true, yeah. There were, there were two bits like so far that I picked up on. I mean, on, on the first watch on, on this was... First, they, they did a really good job of like just subtly dropping in like how much of a hermit like he really is. Like that she's been dead for 10 years kind of thing. Just little mm. things that they did just to highlight how out of sync he's been with the whole of the, the rest of Western society. They did really, really well. Um, when it comes to the classical music stuff in the car, it wasn't until later on I realised this, but it was just another one of the attributes of the father and the son theme that kind of rolls through it, because obviously his dad, later on in the film, is you can hear him listening to classical music, and he, he obviously wants to emulate his father's success, but be his own man at the same time, and he obviously struggles with that throughout the movie. So I think it was it was really interesting to see him, like, have this kind of like these motivational things and these how to be a better man and he obviously attributes that to classical music and those mm. little things that like the little touches that make this film yeah amir takes rob to another truffle hunter to ask about the pig this other hunter knows who may have taken the pig a couple of drugged out methods they admit to taking her but have no info on where they can find her Amir and Rob head into Portland, where Rob is going to visit Edgar, someone whom Amir seems to revere, but without letting on to the audience who he actually is until a little bit later. Edgar bats Rob off, telling him that he doesn't matter anymore, that his name has no value. Edgar asks Amir, do you even know his real name? In anger, Rob goes to an underground restaurant workers fight club. Like... It sounds fucking ridiculous, but it the way that it ties it all into the film, because it's so important, and it, it feeds into this part about Edgar saying that you have no relevance anymore, that your name doesn't matter. So when Rob goes into this fight club, he writes onto the, the, the wall, scrawling his name, Robin Feld, and all of the staff there, all of the restaurant workers who were there for this fight club, they all lay their money onto the ground. They want to be the highest bidder. They want to, to show that Robin Feld still matters, that his name still rings true. And it's such a unique way of showing us that this hobo-looking dude is actually one of the most important people in this world that he he's, he's chosen to no longer live in. I thought it was a really unique and interesting way of showing that. Yeah, I disagree. <laughs> it was it, it. This is this is my bad, but I'll I'll have something else by the time we get to this. The fight club scene for me was so easily could have lost me, and I, it would have I would have meant I needed work to get back into the film after this, because I like art, and I don't mind a bit of arty farty nonsense, but this was a, a little bit virgin on the, this feels like a bit um, indulgent f mm. for what was going on. I, you know, I, I, I understand you don't have to give people the answers all the time, but this just felt a little bit like this felt more Mandy than it did color out of space, put it that way. Um, <laughs> and it was a bit, I just felt it was a little bit too pretentious. This bit of it, I, Ironically, the way that um, David Neller described the, the the director's vision of it, which we'll probably get onto later, would have probably been better. Mm. Okay. I mean, it's not. I mean, working in that kind of 
obviously not truffles and stuff, but working with kitchen people, kitchen people are tapped in the head. And <laughs> for something like this to be set up would not surprise me in the slightest because they're weird. And you do get that kind of thing as well where like we've got a guy who's been retired for, let's say, probably the best part of 10 years now. And you only have to mention his name. And people know who he is still. And he was one of, one of the managers. He was never pub manager or anything like that. He just worked there. And he was one of these people that he was he's from Dundee, John. Um, drinks in the Ogs Head now. But he's got that kind of, that aura about him. So this could really click with me. I thought, well, yeah, I could easily imagine and off the books Weatherspoons Fight Club being a thing. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> yeah, I think that is definitely going to be happening, to be honest. So Robin shows Edgar that his name very much still has a value to it. And after proving his worth to Edgar, Robin gets handed a piece of paper telling him to go to Finway's. Amir takes Rob back to his house where he sleeps off the beating that he has taken. The second course begins. Part two. Mom's French toast and deconstructed scallops. Rob wakes to Amir cooking him breakfast. I say cooking, he's burning him breakfast. Amir opens up to Rob, telling him about his parents, how they would do a date night, which always ended with them arguing, with his mum always ended up being quote-unquote mopey. Except for one time, they came back and they were so happy. They talked about that meal for years, even after the chef, this huge chef, just upped and disappeared. And that chef was Robin Feld. Amir explains that his mum took her own life. She was always sad. His dad, though, his dad was the tough one. Robin says we don't have to care. People first came out here 10,000 years ago. We would have been under 400 feet of water. Every 200 years, we get an earthquake right along the coast. One's coming up. When the shockwave hits, most of the city will flatten. Every bridge will fall into the Willamere. So there's nowhere to go, even if we could. Anyone who survives that is just waiting. Five minutes later, they'll look up and they'll see a wave ten stories high. And then all this, everyone, it's all going to be at the bottom of the ocean once again. I, I loved that little bit of a monologue in this. That was like one of my favourite parts in this movie, watching Cage just not stumble his way through it. He was tiptoeing his way through it. He was picking his words very carefully to describe that after all the shit of life, Ultimately, we're all just waiting. We've all just got that five minutes and we're going to look up and realise that it's all going to go to hell. Like, it was kind of devastatingly beautiful. I just thought it was excellent. Yeah, we're at, they're at the point at this where he's not quite giving life lessons to Amir yet, but he's they're, they're building their relationship very, very slowly. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you think he's going to take a massive step back at this point because like, he's obviously just saying... I don't care about your relationship with your mum and dad. I don't care about their relationship. It's, it's all going to shit anyway. So, you know, don't, don't, don't fret it. Um, but actually when you went on the second viewing of that and listening to it back, you do realize just kind of how, um, how poignant it all is and how, how real it is really. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of the beauty of, of a lot of this is whilst you have the ridiculousness of this fight club, you do have a lot of, there is a lot of relatability to what's going on which is strange for a film about a, uh, a stolen pig. Yeah, absolutely. 
Robin and me go to Finway's. We see our boy David Nell playing Finway. Rob asks about the pig. Finway looks confused until Rob looks up. When Finway sees the eyes of the man he's talking to, he remembers Robin, having worked for him previously. Rob asks what he's doing here cooking this when his dream was to open a British pub where his signature dish was going to be liver scotch eggs with a honey curry mustard. So British. Stu, when's that? Is that on the winter menu at Weatherspoons or is that, um, <laughs> is that, is that at the spring? <sighs> I mean, my granddad used to eat liver. It's, like, it's proper war food because you've got no choice. <laughs> and I don't, I don't understand how anyone can. No, it is rancid, isn't it? <clears throat> this scene is just all sorts of genius. I, I know we've mentioned it numerous times before, but I think there's a few readings that you can do of this scene. So on a base level, obviously, Robin is tearing Finway a new arsehole for not following his dreams and becoming a, a lackey to these fancy pricks in Oregon. On a foodie level, like much like Finway deconstructs his ingredients, Feld is deconstructing Finway, tearing away strips of the facade that he's put on. And on a filmic level, Robin Feld is opening up the mystery of the mask of Nick Cage, almost. Like he had these visions of, well, not, not necessarily visions of grandeur as a younger actor, but he did a lot more straight lace and those sort of films. And then he went on to do all these mad movies. So I think that there are several layers to that that back and forth between Finway and Fell, I think is really well done. And no matter where you come at it with this film, I think that you can take something out of that. Really, really excellent. Mm, definitely. I mean, for, for me, it, it's all, it, it is always about the visual for me. So it, it's the, it's the emotions and the reactions to everything that's going on in that scene from all parties involved that, that really hooked me. Um, and it's almost like just a, complete colour palette of emotion from Fenway in that scene. It's like, um, like you could watch it back. You know, there's that, there's that episode of the Simpsons where um, Ralph Wiggum gets his heart broken and you can almost pause, <laughs> you can pause the moment where his heart breaks. Mm. You can pause at every scene and know exactly what emotion Fenway is displaying whenever you press the pause button. Cause it's so well done. I don't know how he did it. And, and every time you pause it, it's just pure tension. Mm -hmm. Between yeah. everyone. Oh, no, there's no no one is sitting there comfortably whatsoever. No, and like you really like Cage has got the easiest part in that scene because he's just talking, and it's the reaction of Amir and Fenway like, reacting to what he's saying. Amir doesn't want to be there because this is his father's restaurant, and he feels uncomfortable that he's stepping on his father's toes. And Fenway just feels like he's. Stomach's been ripped out because he's been proven that he's a bit of a fraud. Mm. Like, yeah, just an all round everybody absolutely hit it out of the park on, on that scene. I'd love to have been there when, you know, they knew that was the take and what the reaction in the room was. And does everybody know from sound engineers to to the director, to the actors, to like, just everybody just know that that's, that that's it. They've nailed it. And there's probably just a, a little hush that descends upon the crew yeah. and everything because I think you, I think you just know, you just know that that was that was something special that has just been you know put in front of you. Mm. Pure fried gold, yeah. Robin Feld asks Chef Fenway one last time, "Who has my pig?" Fenway averts his gaze and says, 
he's not somebody you want to make angry and he will be angry. It was Amir's father. After an argument with Amir, they are standing. Uh, sorry, <clears throat> after an argument, Amir is standing there talking to himself, telling his mom about meeting the chef who made that dinner that made her so happy. Then says, I wish dad would just let you die. A nurse comes along and asks Amir if he wanted to see his mother. She's not dead, like he told Rob. She's actually on life support. The look of Amir's face as he sees her lying there with the tubes coming out of her. Like, it's heartbreaking. That revelation, because you just see him stood close to a wall. You assume he's talking to, I don't know, whether there's a plaque or something of his mother. But when you realise that he's in a hospital and that's the door to her room, like, it it really takes you on this roller coaster of emotions there. You really go along with him. And it, it's like, it's horrible. But again, it's so well acted by um, Alex Wolf. It's brilliant. Cut to Rob is sat talking to Darius, Amir's father. Darius is refusing to return the pig, trying to buy Feld off, even going as far as threatening Robin. Robin asks Darius, were you always like this, or was it just after she died, referring to Darius's wife? Darius responds, were you? The pieces have finally fallen into place. We understand why Robin Fell left his life 15 years ago. It was the death of his wife that pushed him into the woods. Living a life alone, no longer wishing to participate, just wanting and waiting for that final wave to come crashing down upon him after the shockwave of his wife's death has levelled the city. Rather than feeling dejected, Robin and Amir patch things up. Robin confesses that he doesn't need his pig to find the truffles. He just wants her back because he loves her. She's his best friend. Like a tear ran down my cheek, even after like, I've seen this film at least 10 times at this point. And even like last night rewatching it, it still gets me. It's just brilliant. The sentiment is just beautiful and the delivery from Nick Cage is exceptional. As good as anything he's given, to be perfectly honest. Feld gives Amir a list of ingredients and tells Amir to use his name to get what he needs. The final course, part three, a bird, a bottle, a salted baguette. Amir finds out about Laurie, Robin's wife. Robin returns to see his former sous chef and we see a little bit of his former life. It's nice to see Robin go on this journey from the very start where he's a complete mute to now opening up to someone from his past. Like it, it seems like he's gone on a complete journey himself, and it's it's a wonderful story arc for him. I think. Amir and Robin prepare a meal. Amir, Robin, and Darius sit down to eat it. Slowly, as he's tasting the food and the wine, the realization hits Darius: this is the meal that made him and his wife so happy all that time ago. He breaks down, leaving the table. Feld walks after him. Darius confesses those meth heads roughed the pig up. By the time he got to the pig, she had already died. Robin falls to the ground, devastated. Amir and Rob are back at the diner where he first picked him up. Rob says, I was thinking if I never came looking for her, in my head she'd still be alive. Amir responds, but she wouldn't be. Back in the lodge in the woods, he puts the cassette back into the tape deck, presses play. We hear Laurie singing Rob a happy birthday song. As he takes his shoes off, lies back into his bed and just looks up. And that's the end of the film. Like, I don't know what to say. I just... Stunning. 
Well, usually we do the budget and box office stuff and talk a little bit about the year of the film's release, but obviously it was released this year, so there's not really much to discuss. There's no box office because there was no cinema for most of it and the budget was low. So I think if we just move straight on to the audience and critic scores makes most sense. So what do you think the scores would be on this film? Stu? I mean, there's what I think and what it should be. Um <laughs> Critically, I I know because we, we saw everything as soon as it got released over here, um, even things in the Times and stuff, and it was all one of his best performances of his career. So high 80s um, for critics. Audience, probably a bit lower because you could probably, if you're weird, you could probably say it's a bit pretentious. So maybe 70-odd. Mm. Matt, what do you think? Spot on, spot on with Stu, yeah. 85 for the critics, 75 for the for the audience because it won't be everybody's cup of tea. And that's and there'll be some people that are annoyed that it's not taken and it's not John Wick <laughs> because, yeah. rightly or wrongly, that's what the trailer sold them. So there'll be some people that, are, that wouldn't have been happy with it and then went on the internet to, dis, to voice their displeasure. Hmm. That, that's fair. So Rotten Tomatoes, the critical score was a 97%, which is Cage's highest rated film. The audience score was an 84%, hmm. which, again, quite a strong scoring. IMDb was a 6.9, which hmm. seems quite, compared to the other two, just seems quite low, which is a bit of an odd one, I think. I think that says more about the two websites and their clientele than it does anything else mm. yeah i mean you ask right. the majority of people if you were doing this like family fortunes or pointless majority of people probably would have heard of imdb i don't think the majority of people would have heard of or use rotten tomatoes mm. i think that's fair I and mean, neither neither aggregator is the perfect way to really market a film so yeah i think you are right there so the critical response was obviously, for the vast majority, was very positive. Uh, however, Dustin Chase from Galveston Daily News, Cage's latest fringe film doesn't bring home the bacon. While Sarnowski's film has takes some predictable and surprising turns, the audience isn't left with much to dissect or evaluate. I'd like to know how a film can take both predictable and surprising turns. Surely it's one or the other, not both. But yeah, everyone else was pretty much positive. Gary Cramber from Salon.com. Pig doesn't give viewers much to care about. Oh, sorry, no, this is still a negative one. Pig doesn't give viewers much to care about other than perhaps the title character. Sarnofsky's film is undercooked. Uh, Clarice Lockery from The Independent. Pig shouldn't be a revelation to anyone who's followed these men's careers, but it's a perfect reminder of how easily we can underestimate people. Anna Strong from Little White Lies, an outstanding debut. Pair with wine and someone you love. And Michael Nordine from Variety. As a decent, sorry, as a descent into the apparently high stakes world of truffle pig poaching, pig is unexpectedly touching. A showcase for Cage's brilliance. It's a revelation. I think when the people have praised it, They've sort of gone 10 out of 10. The people who haven't liked it seem to be more of a 4 out of 10. It doesn't seem like anyone truly despises it. 
but there are some more middling than outright positive. That is until we come to those maniacs at Amazon.com. This film got a 3.8 out of 5 on Amazon. Like, for Amazon, that may as well be a one star. It's atrocious. <laughs> Paul from the UK said, It had no beginning, middle and end. As for the storyline, it was just pants. A very silly film indeed. I don't, there was nothing silly about this movie. That's what I don't get. Several reviewers pointed out they basically had no idea what was going on in this film and that it was too slow. Like, it wasn't that complicated a story to follow, I didn't think. KW liked it, though. They said, worth it for the final shots alone. The film is full of lost love and it's only realised in the final reel. Cage is back to his best leaving Las Vegas self in a movie that makes you crave food, drink and love eternal. And Frank said, unexpectedly moving subversion of the action genre. Far-fetched, but that's not the point. Cage is on top form, carrying the supporting cast somewhat. The acerbic takedown of the contemporary food scene is brilliant. I disagree with almost every review on Amazon, whether it was good or bad. I just think they've got it completely wrong. This isn't a subversion of the action genre. Like This isn't an action film, so there's nothing to subvert. I do enjoy Amazon just for the absolute fucking ridiculous nature of it. <laughs> uh, so the good, the bad and the crazy. Matt, do you want to start us off? Um, so avoiding avoiding um, David Nell because quite literally did blow him on the interview that um, came on. He literally like <laughs> singing his praises the whole way through. So the good would have been just the complete surprise of it all. The complete unexpected... Um, the complete unexpected joy from it because I was fearing the worst. Um, and it wasn't a case of, Oh, well, I just wasn't disappointed. So that means it was okay. It was just a tremendous film, the kind of film that you immediately want to tell everybody about. And that doesn't happen with everything that you see. Um, so to have that and to have to be completely surprised and pleasantly surprised was, was just really refreshing because we've Christ, we've, we've seen some proper shit. Um, so that was really, really good. Um, the, the bad for me, on second viewing, it wasn't nearly as impactful, as grandiose, as um, as gut-wrenching. And it's, that's to be expected. You know exactly what's coming, etc. I enjoyed it more from, like, a character point of view and actually, like, oh, now I know what's coming up, what emotions are they displaying ahead of time, what signals are they giving away, that kind of thing. But it didn't have, a, you know, as nearly as much of an impact for me the second time around. Um, and I watched it at the cinema the second time around. I went to the lighthouse to watch it. So I enjoyed it seeing it on the big screen, but it just lost a little bit of its um, wow factor on a second viewing, I guess. Um, and the crazy for me, really, is, is just its almost universal acclaim. Like I've never seen in anything that we've done on this podcast or, or, or since, really, in regards to Nick Cage, just... 99% of the people are just saying how wonderful it is and, um, you know, that we're talking potential award-winning territory. Mm. Stu, what's yours, please? I mean, they're good. It's every single thing about it. It's uh, The list is pretty much endless. Every Everything is spot on. The acting from everyone. There's not one wooden performance. You wouldn't, you wouldn't even get a splinter from it. It's that perfect. <laughs> it's... Uh, um, 
I say the bad, the only bad thing about it is no one believes you when you say it's a good film <laughs> because you you try you try and explain it. You say the premise and they well that sounds stupid, and then you say oh it's Nicolas Cage and everyone thinks oh he's doing all his madness. Well, no, he's actually giving the best performance of his entire career. Spoilers for a bit. Um, when it's you need to give it a chance, and no one will because of how weird it is, and how it's it's too hard to explain. It's too well, like Amazon.com reviews. It's too slow, I suppose, mm-hmm. um, and it's not going to appeal to everyone. But everyone who does watch it, it seems to appeal to because everyone who, who watches it loves it for what it is. It's an incredible, incredible film. Um, the crazy that you we've took the piss with Wigwatch quite a lot on this, yeah. and his appearance in this is as out there as anything else he's ever done. And you hundred percent believe it mm. for the, probably the first time that you you believe that he's a hobo. That you believe that he looks like this and he, he doesn't wash and he hasn't got a phone. And for a and like what David Nell says about the budget and how tiny it was, for him to get makeup and costume and everything as nailed on perfect as it is in this film, it's just mental. Especially mm. when some of the shit that we've had to watch have got budgets of like 40, 50 million quid and it looks like it could be done with tinfoil. <laughs> yeah, it's true. You get the impression that they they managed to engender a real sense of family, and, and that was sort of what how David Nell describes it. So, like, my good was going to be because it's so difficult to pick one thing. I was just going to go with the direction of it, but actually, from the way David Nell described it, it was a case of they were all very much involved. So it wasn't just Sarnowski. It was Nicolas Cage was involved. And Alex Wolf was involved. And like, everybody was a team on it. And I think that that shows on screen. They worked together to make something. Even though Nicolas Cage obviously is like a superstar and everyone else around him in this film is pretty much a normal person. It doesn't feel like that. It feels like they are all one and the same. And I think that is what shines through in this movie. And I think that really helps it. The direction for, for someone who has never directed a, a feature film before, it was such a light touch, the way that he managed to get the, the performances. It was almost like incomprehensible how they managed to get that that film out of, as you say, what, what if you try to boil it down to an elevator pitch, sounds ridiculous. And they managed to get that out of it. I think it's incredible. It shows a real maturity beyond his years. Brilliant. The bad is quite a difficult one because like I I genuinely adore this film. I, I like I said, I said before, I've seen this at least ten times at this point. I went to the cinema to see it as well. I don't I think I've seen this film more than anything else this year. I've watched it that many times. I would like a bit more. Apparently the original cut was over two hours long. I would like to know what was included in that two and a half hour or, or however long it was film. That's my bad is there's not enough of it. But at the same time, at 90 minutes, it is perfect. Like they get everything they need out in it. But I would like to see the, the script, the original scripts, or maybe even a director's cut. 
I know the DVD has already been released and there's apparently there's no extras on it, which is quite disappointing. Um, so yeah, that's my baddies. I just want a bit more of it. And for the crazy, I've got a couple of mini crazies first. So it was a 20 day shoot and the pig wasn't trained. So they couldn't afford a trained pig because the budget was so low. So they just had to get any old pig and try and get a performance out of him. Apparently the pig kept biting Nick Cage. Um, Cage jokes, I've been set on fire, I've been in flipped cars, and it'll be sepsis from a pig bite that kills me. <laughs> uh, the main crazy that I wanted to say, though, this scene in Eurydice, so Finway's restaurant, as we've said several times, including in that interview with Nell, like this scene is the heart and soul of the movie and everything pretty much revolves around it. I went on to Wikipedia to have a bit of a look into Eurydice. I, I like a little bit of um, Greek mythology and stuff. So I, I recognised the name from the Stephen Fry book. But I couldn't remember the whole story. So it was Eurydice and Orpheus. They were a married couple and Eurydice dies. Orpheus goes to hell to bring her back. Hades gives Orpheus an offer. He says to him, you can take Eurydice back to the land of the living but she must walk behind you and you cannot turn back to check that she's there. After walking miles in silence, Orpheus no longer hears the footsteps and fears that Hades has tricked him. So he turns to check if she's there. And upon turning, she's dragged back to Hades, never to leave hell. So that story is the burden of everyone in Pig. They're all haunted by what's behind them. Failing to live their lives now and failing to look to the future, living their life to the fullest. Like Feld lives in his past because of the death of his wife. Amir and Darius throw themselves into work because of their mother and wife's attempt to take her life. Finway gives up his dream of the British pub and he's living a life of fear, cooking meals for idiots. Like that scene is so, so important. And I think that added context of the Greek mythology on top of it. It's just really fucking clever. I, I don't know, it's like a little bit pretentious, but I love a bit of pretension, so it's fine. <laughs> Even at the very end of the film when Feld says, if I hadn't gone looking for her, she would have still been alive in my head. He's saying that if I didn't look behind me, I could have been happy. And that's the message of the film. Appreciate what you've got now rather than what you had and maybe no longer do have. So, I mean, the next two questions are just pointless, really. Did you enjoy the film? Matt, did you enjoy it? Yeah, very, very much so. Um, very much so. And I, I, again, like an echo before, immediately wanted to tell people to watch it and get ahead of the curve and, and just, just enjoy something that you never, like, you never would expect. So, yeah, you could come up with some roundabout way of saying it. But, yeah, yeah, I loved it. Did you? I always come back to the um, to the message I put in the group chat after about twenty minutes of watching it. I said, "Is it just me, or is this actually really good?" <laughs> and that I'll never forget that. I'll never forget that feeling of we were, we're onto something really special here, out of nowhere. And yeah, of course, it's fucking good. It's superb. It's what it's it's one of the best, one of the top ten best films I've ever seen in my life. It's that good. Yeah. Um. Obviously. In a few months' time, we'll be doing our top fives of 2021. And 
I remember at the start of the year when I watched um, Promising Young Woman, I, was, I thought then this film's special and this is going to be like this is going to take some shift into not be my favourite film. And Pig has probably done that this year. But there's been a couple of films this year that I think have been really exceptional, and and this is absolutely one of them. It, I do think it is probably my favourite film of the year so far. Uh, obviously, the second question based on this film and this film alone was Cage good? For me, yes, he's good. Stu, good? As good as he's ever been. Matt, good? Yeah, very much so. Very much yeah. so. So the company who made this film, obviously, they sent out a tweet the other week uh, where they've done a billboard with, for your consideration. So it looks like they're going to be pushing Cage for an Oscar. Is it out of the realms of possibility that Cage could be Oscar-nominated for this film? Stu, what do you think? It's... Hmm. If it wasn't him, if it was someone else putting that performance in, I think he'd be nailed on. But Mm. because of who he is, how weird he is, what he's been through and how he's been away for so long, I just can't see. And it'll be a massive... It'll be a massive shame. Because he deserves it. Hmm. See, I, I, I go the other way with it. People love a redemption story and people love a resurrection and a rise from the phoenix. So I, I can see it happening. And I'll tell you now, if if he's up for consideration, it will probably be the first time ever that I'll stay up to watch the Oscars live. <laughs> I'll stay up to watch it because it'll, it'll mean something and I've never felt that about an award ceremony at all. Granted, this was the first year that I really enjoyed Eurovision as well, so maybe just my life's changing. <laughs> um, but you know, I, you know, I, I certainly think it's it's possible. Yeah, I mean, he's already won one, and as you said, people love a redemption story. I mean, you've only got to look to someone like Mickey Rourke with the wrestler; he got nominated off the back of that. So, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he got called, and his performance has been as good as anybody else's this year. If not, I mean. There's no other leading male that springs to mind this year so far, which I think says quite a lot about how sublime Cage was in this movie. So finish the sentence, please. If you enjoyed Pig, you may also like. Matt, start us off, please. Well, this was tough because it's it's like I've, I've had to put it down to my own personal experience and the only film that I could think of, well, the first film I could think of that, that brought a tear to my eye um, when watching it was The Pursuit of Happiness with Will Smith. Nice Com- film. You know, completely different <laughs> movies, mm. completely. like this. They're not similar, really, in any way, apart from somebody being incredibly downtrodden and society has dealt them a, a massively shit hand. But there's one scene when he's with his um, lad in the, I think it's like the subway or the metro toilets, and the door's being kicked in, and he's just trying to keep his lad safe. And I'd li- every time I see it, I bawl my eyes out. Um and uh, if you like being kicked in the knackers or a punch in the gut, you'd probably like this as well. Um, slightly different tone, obviously, towards the end of the movie. If you've not seen it, I won't give any spoilers. But, you know, it, it has its heart-wrenching moments all the same. I remember, like, some people were saying that it was a bit too saccharine, but I, I really loved Pursuit of Happiness. I thought it was mm. one of... Like, I like Will Smith anyway, but I thought it was one of his best... Dramatic role. Who's really, yeah. really enjoyed it. Stu, what's your choice? I think 
obviously I can't say babe pig in the city, can I? Um, <laughs> I haven't got one. There's nothing like this film. It's so unique and weird and, and strange and superb all by itself. There's nothing like it. No, that even trying to be clever and trying to link it to something else. I thought about this ever since I, I saw it for the first time, six months ago, or wherever it was now. There's nothing like it. Mm. It's unique. Yeah. My answer was, uh, my, my first answer was just watch Pig again because it's brilliant. Yeah. Um, but I think there's an, a good accompaniment to this movie, which is Chef with John Favreau. Um, like, it's very different. It's a comedy. It's about, uh, well, John Favreau plays a chef who has a bit of a breakdown after he gets a couple of negative reviews. He then goes on a journey of self-discovery. He buys himself a food truck and he drives it back from the West Coast to the East Coast or vice versa. I can't quite remember. But it's just a really nice film. It's quite uplifting. It's quite funny. The only reason I've chose that is because they're both about food. But I just think it's a nice accompaniment to it rather than the same kind of film. Much like Matt said, like it's a it's a different film altogether. But it, it's a nice pairing, I think, would be the, uh, the best fil- uh, food way to put it. So that's another Nick Cage movie in the record book. If you've seen this one or any other one, get in contact. Cagefightingpod at gmail.com or on the Twitter at cagefightingpod. Please make sure that you're subscribed so you don't miss any of the episodes. And whilst you're subscribing, please leave us a review. Tell us what you like or even what you don't like or just leave a film review and we can read it out. Finally, thanks just for giving us your time. We tell you every time, but we do love the fact that you listen. We're eternally grateful for it. So for this week, Matt, would you like to say goodbye? Take it easy, everybody. Look after yourselves. Stu, would you like to say goodbye? Remember, you should use stale bread for French toast. (laughs) It's goodbye from me, and remember, be excellent to each other.